It's a special episode of the Greatest List Podcast. In this episode, we're counting down songs from 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Eurythmics. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to Greatest Lists and a bonus episode. We're going through our uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees for 2022 and uh, these bonus episodes. Uh, I'm back with you, Jason here, and Eric is here. I am here. You did an awesome job, sir. By your lonesome there <laughs> with the Judas Priest. Uh, because like we talked about uh, before we came on the air, I would have been just Beavis the whole episode that's, that's, that's waiting to get to break the law, breaking the law. And uh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> just did not connect with me, but you did an awesome job. Well, for the two other people that enjoyed Judas Priest out there, <laughs> we, we had a great time. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are many more, many more, but I enjoy listening and, and listening along to the songs as well. Uh, a couple that I remembered, but yeah, just not one. Not, your, uh, not, not, not in your, with. not in your wheelhouse. Not in my wheelhouse. Yep. The Eurythmics though are in my wheelhouse yes. and uh, very excited to get to this episode and uh, making the 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, with their second uh, time around. They were nominated in 2020, uh, but were not elected in despite having the second highest fan vote. How can that so, be? I don't know. I don't know how the Rock Hall I don't know works. how that works, yeah. <laughs> because like, I think the fan vote is only worth like 25% of the overall vote. That's so. Dumb. It's yeah, it's like toilet paper math over there, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh we are excited to get to this bonus episode all about the arrhythmics, and I thought I'd just roll through uh some stats for you on their career and uh why they're very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh of course Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart were the members of the band and they were members actually with a, uh, a couple of bands before that, namely the tourists before forming Eurythmics in 1980. Uh, they met when Annie Lennox was working as a waitress in Stewart's hometown of Sunderland. And they lived together for four years before forming Eurythmics and essentially ending their romantic relationship while forging ahead as a duo. Uh, writing and recording as ex-lovers created an interesting tension in their songs. I agree with that. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm reading this. This is not my own uh, writing here. I'm stealing some of this from online. Right. But uh, very interesting how you go from that and just listening to some of their songs and how powerful some of the lyrics are. Uh, very just overall uh, great way to create as you have a past history you know i mean seriously i mean they would deserve to be in the in the hall just for breaking up and staying friends for that long and being able to <laughs> produce that much music i mean After good gosh. Year, yeah yeah wow yeah so uh, nine studio albums two were platinum and two were gold in the u.s uh, according to one site 75 million albums sold worldwide their greatest hits and ultimate collections are both triple platinum. Mm. So that's been their, uh, their big uh, yeah. sellers, the greatest hits and the ultimate collection. They had 10 singles in the top 40 in the U S three made it to the top five and one number one, which we'll get into on our list. They did get one Grammy and one VMA with numerous nominations along the way. I think yeah, some of that is, uh, they there's they should have won more awards than that over their oh, career. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, but they were inducted into the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2005. And then they both were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame two years ago in 2020. Wow. So they are uh, in just about every Music Hall of Fame. Except for, uh, the, the, for the big one. Except for the big one, which they are now. So just the, briefly, what is your personal history with your rhythmics? Have you followed them you know, throughout their career or... I yeah, know. I mean, off and on I have. Yeah, I mean, I love just you know all their big hits. I I I love. Um, there's a couple of songs that aren't you know weren't singles that I've stumbled upon and and love mm-hmm. those too. Um, I've always loved Annie Lennox's voice, and oh, she has so great. She has a couple of Christmas albums by herself. They're just like really random christmas songs that aren't mm-hmm. like mainstream and they're just i mean it's just, they're just kind of haunting but it's just her voice is just it's like butter um, <laughs> so yeah i've just i mean i've i've always been a fan i'm just not you know just haven't just haven't you know uh really followed them that close but i've always been a fan of their of their stuff mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i'm about the same way uh i don't think i've ever owned one of their full albums it's always been <laughs> the greatest hits i right, was a yeah. victim like i've uh, mentioned before on our show that uh during the bmg and columbia house era i was just <laughs> a victim of all kinds of greatest hits albums yeah so going back and you know listening to full albums now is, is really like discovering new music but their singles you know i'm i'm a top 40 kind of guy uh have been since i was a kid listening to casey Kasem and my mom collecting all the 45 singles and not necessarily albums so that uh i'm a that's kind of where my fandom is as well their their hits are just way up there and such a a unique sound you know there's a lot of like new wave sound in their music there's also rock there's they're kind of a mixture of, of several different genres throughout their career but that early 80s sound and with some of their big hits are just you know they're iconic for the decade oh yeah totally so we uh came up with a small little song bank and we came up with a a top five list that we're going to tell you about here but just before we get going uh, if you're not listening to us on spotify premium we would invite you to go over there because you'll get to hear each of these songs that we're talking about in their entirety as we go through the list if you're listening outside of Spotify, you know, you're not going to hear that. And you're going to be like, wow, this uh, episode is only 10 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's real fun when you listen on Spotify, because then now you get to hear the songs kind of in context as we're talking about them. But yep. anyway, are you ready? Let's count down the top five, our top five uh, hits from Eurythmics. Yes. Number five. So this uh, first song from 1987 is a Christmas song. We're going to get into Christmas a little bit early this year. <laughs> uh, yes. And it's a, a album that is uh, one of the best Christmas albums ever, but probably the best or most notable from the 80s. It's four times platinum. came out in 1987 called A Very Special Christmas. And there are several songs on that album that I love. But Winter Wonderland is so unique. I love yeah. this song. I do too. It's on my Christmas playlist. Every, I mean, everyone I have, it's on there. And my wife hates it. Really? She does, she does not like this oh. version at all. And it might be the, you know, the kind of the beginning of it where 
and I love it. I, Annie's uh, acapella opening there yeah. and then her harmonies with that are just, I mean, it's just killer. And it's so great when she gets into the, the, you know, the main song and you, you get those harmonies. She's so good. Her vocals, and we'll talk about it more later, but the harmonies that they plug in for her are, are so great. But this might be my favorite rendition of when no, it, it is mine for sure. Oh yeah, totally. I, I love this version. I don't, I don't remember when I found it, but man, it's so good. And she does a little bit of like scatting a little bit in the, yes. in the song too. And then yes. that answer vocal that I love as they fade out, you know, um, I don't know. I, I just love it. Like the uh, a synth Christmas song. You don't get many of those. So it's very unique. Yeah. Number four. All right. At number four, we've got Here Comes the Rain Again. And uh it was over on Song Facts where they dive into Dave Stewart's songbook, which is kind of his biography. Yeah. And he explains that he and Annie wrote this song when they were staying at the Mayflower Hotel in New York City. He said, I'd been out on 46th Street and bought an early Casio keyboard about 20 inches long with a very small keys. And it was an overcast day. And he was sitting in my room and I was playing a little some, something on the keyboard sitting on the window ledge. And I was playing these little melancholy melancholy minor-ish chords with the B note on it. And I kept playing this riff and Annie was looking out the window at the slate gray sky above the New York skyline and just sang spontaneously, here comes the rain again. And that was all we needed. That's ridiculous. Yeah. God. And a lot of these too, he'll tell you, I'm anxious to actually go out and read this songbook because. Yeah, I am too now. He um, just, it seems so effortless effortlessly uh, to come up with these songs, you know, back and forth. But the string arrangements on this song by Michael Kamen were performed by members of the British Philharmonic Orchestra. However, due to the limited space in the studio, the players had to improvise by recording their parts in other parts of the studio. And then the song was mixed and blended all together with the orchestral tracks on top of the synthesizer. Uh, So, that's I thought that was crazy that you're, you know, recording with an orchestra is one thing. Recording with an orchestra in like twelve different rooms, you know, yeah. whatever. That had to have been uh, kind of hard. Well, it had to be uh, hard for the orchestra too because they, you know, having played violin when I was in junior high and first part of high school, you play off of what you hear right, from the other right. instruments. That had to be hard. That's crazy. So j- just for me on this song. I must say this song title, like literally every time we have a day where it rains twice and I'll sing those <laughs> opening lyrics, you know, here comes the rain again. And I don't know. Oh, it's funny. just always on my, always on my mind when, uh, when that happens, but I just, I really love the strings in this song, you know, especially how they're mixed with the keyboard in the middle of the song. Yeah. And then just how the beat drops out a couple times. And the first time it's the strings that come back first and they have that, I'm going to be technical here. Decrescendo, you know, wow. and it goes down. And then the Great. second time it's done with an acoustic guitar or at least a guitar yep. where they strum it. And it's that same kind of sound. Yeah. And she gets back into the, the main lyrics again, but uh, just very interesting. The arrangement on this song and, and with all the other instruments, they, they blend the strings really well with the synth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, neither one of them just 
overpower the other, which is usually what happens. So I, I right. love I love the way that Dave Stewart just comes up with parts. I mean, if you listen in the headphones mm-hmm. to any to, to any of these songs in this top five, you can hear things in the background that if you're just listening on the radio or just out in the open that you don't hear, but if yeah. you put your headphones yeah. on, he's put so many things in the background. And this song is a, is another example of that. There's just stuff going in the background at certain times, you know, not constantly, but there's just things that pop in and out. Oh, it's yeah. a, it's so, it's so impressive. And it's, you get so much more appreciation for the, yeah. the production work when you hear those things. And I thought it was interesting as I'm reading along, you know, it's just him and her. For the rhythmics and basically whoever was available at the time that they yeah. were ready to you know record an album so you know okay well let's let's get the orchestra in we'll find yeah. an orchestra somewhere <laughs> uh we'll find some session players you know we'll get to another one that i didn't know about to play organ or play other instruments harmonica yeah. um I, I just thought that was cool. Hey, we're going to keep us together. We're the duo. We're going to make yeah. all the money and yep. we'll pay some other people to join the band for a while. Or we're tour rotating with us. band members. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's such a great concept. Yeah. Um, That's the way, you know, just same, I, there's a lot of bands that way that were, you know, like Tears for Fears was the same way mm-hmm. and several other, you know, several other duos that had a band behind them all the time. Yeah. Number three. So, number three is uh, Would I Lie to You? And uh, going back to Dave in his songbook, he says, quote, when we started putting it down, the song had a lot of energy and inspiration from Annie that came up with that great lyric, Would I Lie to You, and then a melody with very odd odd answering harmonies. Now, would I say something that wasn't true? These harmonies are very unusual, and Annie is a genius at working them out very quickly in her head, unquote. So... And that's what's so interesting, the back and forth. And sometimes she's answering herself. Sometimes it's harmony. It's just so interesting. And to think it's just her, you know, yeah. most of the time providing the backing uh, backing vocals yep. is pretty impressive. Yeah. She's, yeah. Now that I know that, that, that she comes up with, with all of those, it, it is, uh, it's, it's impressive. And on this song, I read that Benmont Tench from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers played the Hammond organ on the track, and he and Dave Stewart previously worked together on Don't Come Around Here No More. So there's some influence of Dave Stewart in those years with Tom Petty that you get some synthesizer and stuff in there. Oh, yeah. So I, I had no idea that there was that, uh, that crossover there almost, because I love Tom Petty. I love Don't Come Around Here No More, and that... Uh, when you're adding some of those little like even just drum machine stuff in there it's it's so interesting to me oh yeah it's it's yeah but this song definitely one of their most rocking tracks so much to love about it you got the bass line which is just really fun to listen to throughout you don't again you got to listen to this in your headphones people but Mm -hmm. uh, you've got some great electric guitar licks in there and that main hook of course the horns, you got the horns in this one to add so much. And then there's Annie's so vo- much in there. Yeah. Annie's vocals are real great. She has the answer vocal to that main what I lie to lyric, you know. And then I always thought she was I always thought she was saying, I'm naked, naked. <laughs> Am I the only one? But I guess it's I'll make it, make it. Yeah. You know, I again <laughs> 
<laughs> the song is so great that I've just, you know, I, I sing along. I sing what I hear. Uh, so whatever. But that's funny. I, I love the <laughs> I love singing along. I love hearing the, the vocal, the answer vocals and things in this song. But we also get Annie's growl. She has a growl yes. in this song and just had so much emotion. Oh, man. And that engine revving in the middle of the yeah. song. It's so, yeah. so weird. There's just so is much. It, in, the video, in the video, isn't she on a motorcycle when, when, so. when yeah. the revving stars? Yeah. yeah. Number two. All right. Coming in at number two is Missionary Man. And the lyrics for this song actually came from a poem that Annie Lennox wrote. Dave Stewart wanted to create a song that would play well in an arena setting as he was inspired by the concert films Under a Blood Red Sky by U2 yeah. and Stop Making Sense by the Talking Heads. The British synthesizer bands weren't crossing over into the big arena shows, and Stewart wanted to buck that whole trend. So he wrote in his songbook, Missionary Man opened the album and became a linchpin song on the Revenge Tour. I wanted to create a spiritual feeling at the as the opening of the song, and I felt like an alchemist cooking up weird blues of rock uh, a weird brew of blues, rock, and voodoo, voodoo. With, with a strange mixture of guitar synthesizers and backwards yes. noises and harmonica that spiraled towards the opening line. Well, I was born an original sinner. This was the perfect way to take our shows to another level, unquote. So nice. It's not one of my favorites, but uh, apparently one of your top ones. Uh, no, yeah, I, I love this song. It is one that you know, got them their only Grammy. So definitely respect oh, that. And I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the bass groove is really fun. I love listening to the bass in this song and you can't deny any songs with harmonica and that solo is just killer in this song. So it's really great. Yeah. This is probably, I, this is probably tied for number one for me for their songs. I, I don't, I just, I love the groove of this song and I love how she sings really low and kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like monotone almost on on some of the on some of the verses, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, this is one of my favorites. Number one. All right, and we are up to number one. We had it, uh, I think, at the top of both of our lists, right? Yep. Uh, Sweet dreams are made of this. Uh, it's a song of contrasts, according to Dave Stewart, with the heart pumping beat, uh, but the lyrics that are like a dark undercurrent. This is yeah. what he's uh, saying. But in a uh, interview with song facts, Dave explained a lot of people use it as a very uplifting dance record at festivals and parties. When the DJ puts it on, there's always a lot of hands in the air, but it's actually a very sort of existential spooky record asking if this is what the world has come to. Is this what our <laughs> dreams are made of? And then some people want to use you, some want to abuse you. So it goes into a topic that could, Go massive if you wanted to. Eurythmic songs always had a bit of that in it, a juxtaposition between the music and the lyrics, unquote. Nice. And I'll agree with that. I mean, because it's, oh, I love the song so much. And you're singing along with the lyrics and they're, they're heavy, you know? Yeah, no, they, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty dark song if you, if you really, if you really think about it. So I got to tell the story. The first time I heard this song, was on a Ford factory cassette sampler. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it was weird because we were a Chevy family. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it 
and we bought a Monte Carlo from a used Ford dealer. My dad did it anyways. And this cassette came with it and it was really influential on me. It was like some of the first music or, or pop music that I remember hearing. Right. Uh, I think I, I have the cassette. Um, I actually went out and found it on eBay and bought it, uh, I think <laughs> last year and went through it. But it's so strange, like what's on there because it starts out with like the Star Wars theme and like the Return of the Jedi, there's another theme mixed in with that. Then it's got like Sweet Dreams. It's got two Hollow Note songs, One on One and Man Eater. Wow. It's got uh, Mountain Music by Alabama. God, that is, a, is on? that is a wide array of music right there. Yeah, it's got one of those like hooked on the classics or something on there too. You know, uh, it's like with classical music. So it's all over the place with the sampler, but. I don't know what it was about Sweet Dreams that just drew me in. And I was like, you know, what is this? And I guess this is pop music or whatever, whatever <laughs> age I was when I first heard it. It had to been like, so like 83-ish or four-ish. So I'm wow. like seven, eight years old when yeah. I'm hearing this. Just very formative. But, oh man, the That's keyboard so hook on this song, so catchy. Annie's vocals really shine and her you know, signature harmonies and background vocals are yeah. really at work on this song. I love the bridge too, with the hold your head up lyrics that lead into that little short keyboard solo. Right. And then another fun part is when the keys drop out and it's just any kind of singing acapella with the backing vocals. Uh, it's just so up and down and you, that great synth sound, you know, just, totally 80s right yeah. oh totally yeah totally <laughs> completely 80s why um, is this this year number one um well i just i mean i've always loved the feel and the groove of the song um this is another one of those songs that you have to put on your headphones to to hear what all is going on in the background mm -hmm. um several years ago i was watching a show i think it used to be on, on nbc called grim it was based okay. on grim's fairy tales uh-huh and the opening scene of this episode I was watching, this girl's going out for a run and she, she, you know, they show her come out of her and get out of her car and put, get ready. And she puts her headphones in. And as soon as she puts her headphones in, this song starts. And that was probably the first time I actually listened to the, to the song in my headphones. And there's this, it's almost like a voice on the uh -huh. beat at the very beginning of the song. It just goes, wow. <laughs> and it, it hits on the beat on, on at the beginning. And I heard it when I was watching that episode. And so I went back and played the song again on Spotify just to hear the, all the stuff in the background. And good uh -huh. gosh, there's so much in that song, yeah. just in the background. Um, yeah, I just, I've all, I remember hearing this song when I was what, 13 and just being in love with it. And the video is so creepy and weird. Yeah. yeah. There's like, like, like just randomly, there's a cow in a conference room. <laughs> Right, yeah, and, uh, you know, Annie has this flaming red hair, and uh, I just was right. just, I was just taken with the whole video. But just, I just, yeah, it was, it was such a, a popular song. Uh, I just remember that being just everywhere. Yeah, and that's what was so great about her too. In each video, she almost reinvents her fashion, her, her oh, look, yeah. yeah, and it makes it fresh and new, and still just very cool, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, Although that song well, was Annie with blonde hair is chef kiss. She's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, I like, she's almost, well, probably more in the later eighties or early nineties where it's almost gray. It's almost so, yeah. so blonde. It's gray. Yeah. Yeah. I like that look. 
Yeah, Sweet Dreams had to be number one for for me, just based on that fact that that was the basically my introduction to the band, and then hearing the other songs over the years. Oh yeah, that's the band that the sang Sweet is. Dreams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's basically my my take. But yeah, this was great. I'm so glad that they're in and so well deserving, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little I'm I'm a little shocked though that they only they only won one Grammy. Yeah. After after you mentioned that, I just, that's kind of shocking actually to me. But I mean, who am I to say? <laughs> well, that's the Grammys, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. Uh, there was a few years I remember in the '90s trying to guess the Grammys. Yeah. For uh, a newspaper, actually, and I just totally bombed. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to try to <laughs> well, guess what the Grammys are thinking because this is the left this field. is the this is the same organization that gave the very first heavy metal Grammy to Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull, so, yes, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap up our bonus episode. We appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. And of course, go out and find us at Greatest Lists on Twitter and GreatestListsPodcast.com is our website where you can connect with uh, all the apps that you listen to and uh, also stream episodes right from there. And Eric and I will be back uh, very soon for uh, our top 10 uh, of the top 50 movie soundtrack songs from the 80s. I cannot wait to get this uh, list going again, Eric. <laughs> you mean you can't wait to get this list over with? No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't say that. It's been a very fun journey, but I'm excited we're it finally we're finally in that home stretch. Yes. And uh, yes, but we didn't want to forget we you know we came up with these uh, Hall of Fame episodes early on and we've yep. got more to do before yes. the year's out. So uh, this is fun just taking a little break from that and, and getting into some more music. So yep. All right. Well, for Eric, this is Jason. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to The Greatest Lists.